please join me once again in prayer. Father, I ask that you would uh, cause your word to uh, resound in our hearts, that uh, we might learn to pray as Jesus taught his disciples. We um, submit ourselves to your lordship. Teach us to pray, we ask. Amen. Well, I had only planned to preach one sermon on the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11, verses 1 through 4, but now we're about to start our third sermon on this passage, and I was very tempted to uh, add a fourth sermon uh, on um, where the Lord says, uh, Your kingdom come. I had already addressed it, but there's just so much where... I feel like uh, our nation, our society, we ourselves need to understand what it means to submit to the kingship, the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, during these very difficult days. But I have resisted that. Maybe we'll come back to it at some point. But I have found this uh, study of the Lord's Prayer spiritually edifying and encouraging to me, and I hope that it has been equally helpful to you. In the first sermon on this passage, we acknowledged how difficult it is to pray, that prayer is exhausting, that it's easy to go through the motions and mouth the words without really praying from the heart. And so we saw... Uh, during that uh, first sermon on this passage, how the Lord Jesus gave uh, His people the Lord's Prayer as a model or a basic outline to help us learn how to pray. Then, in the second sermon uh, on the Lord's Prayer, we began to examine the structure of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus began by teaching us to address God as... uh, Uh, as our Heavenly Father, to address Him intimately. Uh, It was interesting that a couple of you uh, already uh, spoke of God as Abba, Father, and that rejoiced my heart um, as as, uh, the Lord Jesus originally taught His disciples to pray, uh, speaking in Aramaic, uh, Abba, and uh, teaching them to address God personally and intimately as their Heavenly Father. And then Jesus goes on to teach us uh, that the first two petitions or requests are connected with God's interests. We saw that during that second sermon as well. So we looked at what God says, uh, the petition to hallowed be His name, and then the second petition... His kingdom come. We learned in that second sermon that Jesus is using the Lord's Prayer to restructure our self-seeking lives by placing God at the center of our concerns instead of ourselves. So that brings us up to speed for this third sermon. Uh, We're going to look at verses 3 and 4. Because Jesus transitioned from the first two requests that dealt with God's interest and, uh, and God's concerns to uh, the last three petitions 
that are concerned with our interest. In these last three petitions, we ask God for our daily provision, for our daily pardon, and for our daily protection. Uh, In regard to our daily uh, provision, Jesus teaches us to pray that God would give us each day our daily bread. So please notice that Jesus is teaching us to ask God each day for our provision. Not just on Sunday at the beginning of the worship service when we pray the Lord's Prayer. But he's saying each day ask God for your daily bread. Jesus here in this third petition is calling us to a daily and ongoing dependence upon our Heavenly Father. Uh, The Christian life, or rather the Christian faith, is not just a belief uh, statement that you confess. Rather, it is a living relationship with the God of heaven through Jesus Christ. We embrace Jesus Christ by faith. It is by faith that we entrust our lives and our eternity to Jesus Christ. By faith, we listen to His Word in the Scriptures and we submit to Him in obedience. Or as Paul says at the beginning of Romans and also at the end of Romans, uh, he talks about the obedience of faith. So it's by faith that we listen to His Word, submit to Him in obedience. By faith, we also count each count others as more important than ourselves. By faith, we love our neighbors as ourselves. We even love our enemies. By faith, we seek His kingdom and His righteousness as our priority. And so, the the Christian faith is more than just a confession. You're not just... uh, making a profession of faith one day, signing your name on the dotted line, putting the card that you sign in your back pocket, waiting to pull it out when you get to heaven. Your your faith in Christ is a living relationship with God through Christ. And that living relationship is by faith, whereby we we embrace Jesus Christ. We live for Him. We trust Him. We follow Him. We obey Him. So in teaching us to ask God each day for our daily bread, Jesus is teaching us to live and to walk by faith. As Paul says in Romans chapter 1, the righteous shall live by faith. Are you living by faith? Daily, are you depending upon God? One way to know, or one way to express that rather, is asking God daily to provide uh, for your bread and provide for your life. The bread in the Lord's Prayer represents everything that is essential. Uh, Remember, we learned in that first sermon that the Lord's Prayer is a model Uh, For us, or a basic outline for how we're to pray. So, the daily bread, uh, the prayer for daily bread is also a prayer for the essentials of our life, such as health, 
such as um, clothing, such as housing, as well as for our food. Jesus is teaching us here in this third petition that we are dependent upon God for everything. And I think the reason why this, why Jesus uh, made this a part of his model prayer is that we struggle to trust God on a daily basis. Rather, we're inclined to trust our own abilities. And, uh, and we're inclined to think that we are the ones who provide for ourselves. We are the ones who provide for our daily needs. And we take for granted that we only exist and survive by the mercy of God. In our prosperous and affluent nation, we're prone to trust in the size of our checkbook um, or our paycheck. We're more concerned about achieving, achieving financial security than we are for the kingdom of God or how we show mercy to those who are in need. So Jesus is teaching here in this third uh, petition, give us each day our daily bread. He is teaching us that whether we are rich or poor, that God wants us to trust Him for our daily needs. And as concerned as Jesus is in teaching us to trust God for our physical daily needs, He cares even more about our spiritual needs. He gives us only one petition, the third petition, for our physical needs, but He gave us two petitions for the needs of our soul in verse 4. So if you'll look at verse 4, and Jesus continues, And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. That first phrase in verse 4, Forgive us our sins. Jesus is teaching us that when we daily come to Him, we are to ask for daily pardon. In other words, we are acknowledging that we are sinners. Uh, we are not only inclined to trust in our, ob- our abilities to provide for our daily needs, but we're also inclined to make our confidence or our standing before God the basis for our own righteousness rather than trusting in God's mercy and grace. I know here... I know everybody here believes in justification by faith. If you've been unclear about that, Tim's been teaching uh, in the children's sermon about uh, justification by faith. He even mentioned it again this morning. So I know that you believe in forgiveness of sins. But Jesus also, or Jesus instructs us to ask our Heavenly Father to forgive us our sins daily. Because we struggle to live as if we are indeed forgiven in our day-to-day lives. For instance, how quick are you to become defensive when someone points out a fault in your life? However small that fault may be. Or do you live with ongoing guilt because of something you did long ago and you just haven't been able to get over it? The shame continues to plague you. Or the guilt is is like it's dragging along behind you every day. 
Or do you tell white lies to measure up because, or, or rather to cover up your shame because you do not feel that you measure up in some area of your life? Or do you look down on others and criticize them because it makes you feel better about yourself? Do you rationalize your sins away rather than looking at them honestly and confessing them truthfully to God? All these tendencies that I just mentioned, they spring forth from our inclination to put too much confidence in our own righteousness. So, teach, so Jesus teaches us to go to God daily and ask for forgiveness. And again, let me remind you that the Lord's uh, prayer is a model. In other words, don't just go to God and say, and forgive me my sins. But when you go to God to forgive him, to ask Him to forgive you for your sins, uh, go to Him in repentance to confess your sins. Go to Him and confess your sins specifically to Him. And ask Him to reveal the ungodly desires that are driving your recurring or your persistent sins. Make the prayer of David in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, You can make that your prayer uh, for forgiveness of sins. Because asking for forgiveness uh, presumes that you are also asking for forgiveness, asking for um, for repentance of sins and that you are confessing your sins to God. Uh, Jesus knows that not only do we put too much confidence in our own righteousness, but we're also prone to the opposite error and take God's forgiveness for granted. And so Jesus added a second clause here in this fourth petition. He said, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive anyone who is indebted to us. Jesus is teaching us, and this is a hard teaching, that if we refuse to forgive others, then it demonstrates that we we ourselves don't really understand the grace of God. If we really understand just how great our sins are before a holy God and what it costs God to to purchase our forgiveness of sins by sending His Son to the cross, then we must be willing to forgive others. No matter how great the hurt, no matter how great the harm someone has caused us, it pales in comparison with the debt that we owe to God. And so Jesus is very serious about this. In the parable of the unforgiving unforgiving debtor, he told this parable of a um, servant who was millions of dollars to use uh, today's uh, money. Uh, Millions of dollars in debt to a king. And so then the king ordered that he pay back uh, his debts, that he... He be sold into slavery along with his wife and his children and everything he owned in order that the debt might be repaid. And the servant, of course, could not pay this. 
He did not want his wife and his children, all his possessions, as well as himself, to be sold into slavery. And so he fell down on his knees before the king. And he begged the king for patience. Please give me more time to repay my debts. And as the king witnessed this man humbling himself before him, the king had mercy. And the king not only was patient, but the king said, I forgive you all your debts. The millions of dollars that you owe me, you no longer owe me. And so then, the servant, I'm sure he expressed thankfulness and relief. But as soon as he left the king's presence, he went out uh, and saw someone, one of his fellow servants, who owed him maybe a, a few thousand dollars. And so he went and he grabbed that, that fellow servant by the throat and he said, You repay me now. And of course, his fellow servant didn't have enough money. And he fell on his knees and he pleaded with his fellow servant, please give me more time to repay my debts. And the, the, the man who had been forgiven millions of dollars said, no, you repay me now or I will throw you in prison and, until, and make you suffer. And, of course, the king then found out what this unmerciful servant had done. And the king was horrified. And he sent this man into prison to suffer um, imprisonment and be tortured until he repaid the entire debt, the millions of dollars that had previously been forgiven. And so Jesus, when he told this parable, he concluded by saying, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse uh, to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. The theologian Augustine said that if we pray, forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and if we make that prayer with an unforgiving heart, we are actually asking God not to forgive us. Uh, the 19th century uh, preacher Charles Spurgeon commented on this passage saying, Unless you have forgiven others, you read your own death warrant when you repeat the Lord's Prayer. This does not mean that Christians don't struggle with forgiveness. It's hard, it's hard to maintain a forgiving spirit. It's hard to forgive someone when they've deeply hurt you. We struggle to be forgiven or, or to be forgiving when someone has, has, has brought us harm. But the struggle is evidence of God's uh, grace at work in your heart. Otherwise... Uh, you would give yourselves over to, to uh, hatred and unforgiveness. So just because you struggle to forgive someone doesn't mean that you're unforgiving. But rather, go to God. Ask Him, help me forgive this person.
it behooves me to ask you very directly, is there someone you need to forgive? Have you been nursing an animosity towards someone that you need to forgive? Have you been wronged and are you letting a bitterness fester? As God's spokesman, spokesman sitting here with God's word in front of us, where God says, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. I command you, in the name of Christ, make a promise now to forgive that person if you have not already done so. Do not harbor animosity. Do not uh, cherish or... or um, or nurse bitterness in your heart towards someone else. You need to be forgiven because you have sinned against the holy God. Forgive those who have sinned against you. Christ's grace is sufficient to help you do so. With Christ's help you can uh, forgive Because you have been forgiven of more than you can ever imagine. I think it will be helpful if I just pause right here um, and um, speak for a couple of moments about what it means to be forgiven by God. We are sinners. And there is a corruption in us that causes us to sin daily in our thoughts, our words, our actions, even in our desires. And we owe God a debt that we can never, ever repay. Were we to spend an eternity trying to repay that debt, we could not pay Him because He is an infinitely holy God. But God unlike that that merciful king in the parable, or like that merciful king in the parable, he desires to forgive us of all of our debts. But unlike that king, God is just. He can't just wave away uh, sins. He can't just wave away debts. He's a holy God. He is a just judge. Therefore, Because He so loved us and so wanted to forgive us of our sins, He sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, into our world. He he so loved the world that He sent His own Son to die for our sins. He sent His own Son to pay the debt that we could never pay. And Christ paid it all. Your past sins, your present sins, even the sins you have yet to commit... Christ has paid the debt in full. And so you stand, if you are in Jesus Christ, you stand in God's presence as if you had never sinned at all. How does the scripture go? He casts our sin as far as the east east is from the west. He casts our sins behind His back. He casts our sins to the depths of the sea. He casts our sins on the ground and He grinds them uh, underfoot so that they are no more. If you are in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. 
And then not only that, but then you've also been made righteous. God has replaced your sins with Christ's perfect, complete, full righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in Him we might be the righteousness of God. And then on top of that, since Tim was teaching on adoption this morning, God has adopted you as His own dear child. He's taken away your sins, given you Christ's righteousness, and has adopted you as His own child so that you can say to Him, So that as Jesus instructs us to address our God as Father. You are forgiven. Therefore, be quick to forgive. Finally, in the last petition, Jesus teaches us to pray that God would not lead us into temptation. And I think that that Jesus has us pray this petition because He wants us to hate sin and be prepared to resist it. You know, if we love our sin, then we struggle to pray earnestly and honestly, Lord, lead me not into temptation. I think also uh, Jesus teaches us to pray um, this fifth petition Uh, lead us not into temptation Uh, in order or because he wants us to learn that we need God's help to avoid sin. Lord, lead me not into temptation because I'm weak. Lord, lead me not into temptation because I, I need your help to avoid the sin that so easily entangles the very, pers- the very best person is uh, at his or her best uh, is vulnerable to temptation. Every one of us, if we have so- any self-awareness at all, we know how easily we stumble. We cry aloud with Paul. The very thing I want to do, I don't do. The very thing I hate, I end up doing. Oh, what a wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. We easily stumble. And God always provides a way out when we are tempted. 1 Corinthians 10.13 If you are a new Christian, or if you've not ever memorized this verse, I commend it to you. Memorize it. It is so helpful uh, so often in my own life. This verse says, 1 Corinthians 10.13 no, tem- no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape so that you may endure it. God will help you when you are tempted. Uh, As we're getting ready to close, I want to very briefly address two misconceptions about temptation uh, before I end the sermon. First... It is not sinful to be tempted. And I know how it goes. It goes like this with me as well. A temptation comes up and you think, I'm still dealing with this temptation. And 
sometimes you just feel powerless before it because you haven't um, you haven't gotten rid of the temptation, and you think and you feel defeated even because the temptation comes. It's not sinful to be tempted. Our Lord Jesus was tempted in every way like we are. And he withstood and conquered all those temptations in order that he might be our faithful and merciful high priest or be our savior. And then second, we are never powerless to resist temptation, even though it feels like it sometimes. Jesus resisted temptation and he gives us power by his Holy Spirit to resist it every day. Every time, no matter how, how um, powerful that temptation may seem in the moment. Sadly, because we love our own sin too much or we're too self-confident to really seek God's help, we give in to temptations more than we should. So I wanted to just briefly mention those two misconceptions. But as we bring this many series of sermons on the Lord's Prayer to a close, I urge you, set aside some time today to pray through the Lord's Prayer, especially if you are struggling to grow in your prayer life. And then schedule a time in your day where you spend time in prayer. And if you're wanting to grow, if you struggle to do that, Take the Lord's Prayer and uh, schedule the time to pray each day for God's interest. Hallowed be His name. To pray that His kingdom come. And then turn to your interest. Pray that God give you your daily provision, your your daily bread. That He would pardon your sins. Help you to remember that you are a sinner in need of His forgiveness and that you are forgiven in Him. And then ask Him to deliver you or lead you not into temptation as all these things are modeled for us in the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I feel like I've gone deeper into the Lord's Prayer than I have uh, previously in my life uh, in understanding it so much better, but at the same time, I'm so aware that we are only scratching the surface. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have given us this prayer to teach us to pray. I pray that you would, by your Spirit, Make us a praying people, we ask in your name. Amen.